And what you'll find written in John 19, verses 26 and 27. Read in this fashion. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Amen. As we speak this morning to the subject, lessons from a mother's love. Amen. Lessons from a mother's love. Five years ago on March 19th, my mother transitioned from here to glory. I'll never forget it because of the things that led up to that day. I always say when I present the invitation for discipleship that there was a point in time when one could say that the next seven days aren't promised to you. But at this point in time, we can say the next seven minutes aren't promised to you because of all that's happening in the earth. But seven days before that day that she left here, she was adamant about celebrating. Because seven days prior to my mom transitioning from earth to glory was March 12th. And March 12th was one day before my birthday because my birthday is on March 13th. And I'll never forget it because she was adamant about wanting to do something for my birthday. She's like, well, well Derek, what do you want to do for your birthday tomorrow? I'm like, Mom, I don't really want to do anything because I got to work tomorrow because that particular year my birthday landed on a weekday. I said, you know, I'll probably just do something on the weekend. She's like, no, no, I want to do something on your birthday. I'm like, Mom, really, I don't want to do anything on my birthday. I, I, I got to work, and it's going to be a long day. But she was insistent on doing something on my birthday. So I'm like, okay, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll do a cake if you want. Whatever you want to do, we'll do. So she took great pain seven, day out, seven days out to, to make sure that, that I had a, a, a happy birthday, and, and that was the year that I turned 45. And my birthday came the next day, and it was very nice. And, and, and I was very happy, and I was very appreciative because Mom was just so happy. She was ecstatic about that day. She's like, I really hope you enjoyed your day. I'm like, Mom, I did, and I appreciate it, and I thank you for it. I didn't know that, that six days later, I'd be getting a call at work saying that she was gone. I didn't realize that, that so much could, could happen in a week. And it left me feeling a lot of things. It left me feeling empty. It left me feeling cheated. It left me feeling confused. 
But as I sat down and I thought about all that God had done and how he had blessed and provided for our family, how he had blessed us with such a wonderful mother, it put me in a position of being grateful and of reflecting. And after my sister and I laying her to rest, the next hardest thing I had to do was stand on a Mother's Day and preach. This will be the first time that I had to stand and preach a Mother's Day sermon to encourage others to love their mothers when my mother wasn't here. And I had to dig deep on how to do that because I just didn't know what to do. I, I really didn't. And, and all I could do was ask God, where would you lead me? Because I don't know what to say, Lord. I'm still hurting myself. And he sent me to this passage of scripture. And, and as he sent me to this passage of scripture, I didn't understand it. Because I'm like, Lord, why would you send me to this passage of scripture when death is all around this passage of scripture? And he, saw, he said to me then, when I preached this message, oddly enough, it was here. Five years ago, where I preached it in worship service. And he said, I'm sending you to this message not because of the death that you see. But the death that you see in this message is birthing life into generations afterwards. And those are the lessons that I want you to share and I want you to learn from this passage of scripture. So we see in our text that. Jesus is in the process of sacrificing himself for us. And in the midst of the sacrifice, he sees his mother. And he realizes that his mother was someone special. I can only imagine the thought process that Jesus was going through, the human side of him as he hung on the cross dying for a crime that he literally didn't commit, but the God side of him realizing that every breath that he gasped for gave the God side of him greater and greater strength and more and more authority. And in that battle between life and death and between flesh and spirit, Jesus had to dig on the fleshly side into lessons that his mother taught him. Because every mother teaches their children something. I said to my, my, my son's mom, my, my wife at the time, that, that what we pour into our children the first five years of their lives, what we pour into our children the first 18 years of their lives, they pour out many, many times over onto the earth and how they live and how they act and how they interact with people. We've got to be mindful of what we pour into our children because they're seeds and they're going to grow and germinate and pour back out in the earth many times over. She didn't understand that, but I, I didn't even realize the magnitude of what was being said at the moment until I had to stand five years ago and deliver this message. So as I read this passage of scripture, the upshot of what the Lord was trying to tell me is that like Mary, we had to understand that there are some lessons to be learned in the midst of all that we go through. Even at the point of death, there are lessons of life that can make a difference in the lives of others. There are lessons that my mother taught me from her love and through her love that I can now take and be a blessing to others. There are lessons that 
your mother's taught you through her life and through her living and if she's transitioned through her transition that you now can teach others. And they may have different names and different monikers for you, but they fall into three basic tenets I've found as I've talked to people and as I've learned and as I've watched. The first tenet is this, that we've got to be faithful intercessors. Amen. We've got to be faithful intercessors. And we look at our text and we realize that as Mary stood at the foot of the cross, witnessing the horrible sight of Jesus' suffering, her mind, I'm certain, had to wander to the moment that she was informed of the good news of the birth of Christ to her as a virgin. Mary carefully observed in that moment and thought upon all the things that were revealed to her on that day. And this revelation ushered her into lifelong intercession for her son and his continued growth and journey towards his destiny. You remember in the garden when the angel came to her and said that she was highly favored among women and that she was going to have a baby and that she was going to name that baby Jesus. He was going to be Emmanuel, which meant God with us. And you remember the conversation. She said, well, how am I going to give birth since I've never known a man? I've not been physically intimate with anyone before. And from what I understand, it takes a boy and a girl to make a baby. And there's been no boy in my life as of yet. And the angel said that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and is going to 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 basically uh, uh, place in you this precious seed. And this seed is not going to be like any other child. This seed is going to be something totally different. It's going to be a whole new level of seed that's going to bring about reconciliation to the world. And Mary could have at that point in time dismissed it and said, you know what? I, I, no disrespect. You crazy. Maybe I had a little bit too much wine tonight, whatever the case might have been. But instead, she said. That my soul magnifies the Lord. She yielded and surrendered her will at that moment. And at that moment when she said yes to God, she laid her plans and her blueprint for her life aside. And she picked up God's plans and his blueprints for her life. And it put her in a position now where she had to realize that everything that she was doing was not for herself anymore. But everything that she was doing going forward was for her son. Which meant everything that she was doing going forward was for God and everything that she did going forward helped ingrain what her name meant because Mary is a derivative of the word Mara which literally means bitter and that spoke to the taste that many of the life experiences that Jesus had faced had no doubt left in her mouth yet in spite of the heartaches and the countless moments of concern for Jesus' well-being. Mary never stopped interceding for her son, knowing that his destiny was far greater than the pain she would experience as he strived to fulfill it. Mary knew that her son was going to go through some things. Mary knew that because her child was different, he'd face obstacles. He'd face challenges. He'd face persecution. She didn't realize it would get to the point well, he'd be hanging on a tree for six hours one Thursday. She didn't realize that it would get to the point that her son would be beaten almost to the point of death, to the point where his organs would be hanging out of his back darn near. 
She didn't realize that he'd have three-inch thorns shoved into his brow that would carve him open from his hairline to his brow line. She didn't realize that he'd be beaten to the point of not even being recognizable. She didn't realize he'd go through all these things that he'd go through. Yet she interceded for her son because she knew that there was a greater dynamic at work in his life. She knew that there was something more than this living and dying that we as normal human beings go through. She realized that he was created for a greater purpose. That's why she committed her life to God in that moment and said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, I'm presenting myself to you. In other words, you use me as you desire to use me and give me the good sense to intercede for my son because I love him. And love is an action word. Love is selfless. So like Mary, we too must faithfully intercede for our brothers and our sisters and keep our focus on Christ by fulfilling our commission to go into all the world and make disciples. God has made it clear to us that, like Mary, we're pregnant with something. We're pregnant with the living water to give to others, to bring salvation, to birth souls into the kingdom. We're pregnant with something, which means our lives are no longer about us. Our lives are about doing God's will so that what we're pregnant with will survive and live. With what, so that what we're pregnant with will be birthed happy and, and healthy and strong. When a woman finds out that she's pregnant, she has to give up some things. She has to give up the riotous way of living. She has to give up eating things and drinking things and placing things into her body that can cause damage. Not only to her, but to her baby. We're all pregnant with God's will. We're all pregnant with God's word. We're all pregnant with God's mandate to go into all the world and make disciples, which means we can't walk the way we once walked. We can't talk the way we once talked. We can't act the way we once act. We can't be like what comes up comes out. No, what comes up can't come out because if what comes up comes out and it's not and it's contrary to what the word of God says, it can kill instead of bring life. We've got to realize the magnitude of love in which we live and in which we walk. And we've got to carry ourselves as such, which takes me to the second lesson that we've learned. That we've got to secondly be a diligent instructor. There's a saying that I remember, I don't remember where I saw it or heard it, but it goes something to the effect of, you know, that a man or a father's work is from son to son, but a woman or a mother's work is never done. It's a 24-hour-a-day proposition. Because with us dads, our kids might be on our minds because we're out trying to provide for them. We're trying to do this, that. We're trying to discipline this, that, and the other. But for a mom, her children are always on her heart because they literally share the same heartbeat at one point in time. So as Mary and our text stood at the foot of the cross, she had to reminisce about the countless instructions that she had given to her son. From chores to discipline, Mary, being a good mother, gave instructions that were designed to mold and shape Jesus on his earthly side into a vessel ready to be filled by the Father for his use. Even as this hour in our text arrived, and even before this hour in our text arrived at the wedding in Cana for Jesus to begin his ministry, Mary thought of her instruction 
to his disciples to do as he says. Let's unpack that for a minute. When Jesus first went into ministry, his first miracle, the Bible records, was at a wedding in Canaan. At weddings back then and that day, I'm sure similar to now, the, the, the wine was there and they always, you know, had the best wine out first because wine was expensive. And once everybody got a little tipsy and had, had a little bit more to drink, that's when they brought the cheap stuff out. Because they figured, okay, they've, they've had some drinks, they're not going to really realize the difference. They, 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 everybody's feeling all right. Everything is good. But what happened was they ran out of wine completely. And the party was still in full swing. And his disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, hey, we, somebody's got to make a, a, a liquor run. We got a wine. We, we don't know what to do here. And Jesus said, you know what, go get some, go fill, those, fill those pitchers up over there with water. And they looked at Jesus like he was crazy. And when they looked at Jesus like he was crazy, catch this, it's human nature to go back to the source where you don't understand the mindset of the resource. Let me say that again. It's human nature to go back to the source when you don't understand the instructions of the resource. So because the disciples didn't understand fully the logic behind what Jesus was saying, guess where they went? They went back to the source of where Jesus came from. They figured, well, heck, if we can't reach him, he's not going to listen to us. Let's go talk to his mom. I'm sure she can reach him. They went back to the source. They talked to his mom. His mom did something that God desires us to do because love is... Love is, love is selfless. It's, it's just blind trusting. It's faithful. She said to them, do as he says. Those four words rang in her mind and in her spirit from that point all the way up to this point in our text. Those four words should ring prophetically in our spirits from that moment that they were uttered even unto now. Because we're going to face situations that look impossible. We're going to face circumstances that look improbable. We're going to face things that are more than we can handle, more than we can bear, more than we could ever hope to overcome. But God puts us in positions to do these things, to give life lessons to people, to ultimately show those that don't know him who he is. A mother never stops instructing. Ma never stopped giving us instruction. Ma gave me instructions darn near up to the day she passed away. Society recognizes us as adults anywhere from 18 to 21. You can vote at 18. You can go to the military at 18. You can't drink until you're 21. You're not supposed to gamble until you're 21. And everything else that comes with being an adult happens at some point between 18 and 21. I was 45 and she was still giving me instruction. And guess what? I was still taking it. You know why? Because I had sense enough to understand that as a resource, when you don't understand, even as a resource, guess where you go back to? You go back to the source. And when I go back to the source, the one thing that I found about my mom was that when in going back to the source, she was always a point of instruction. It never, it didn't always mean that I agreed with her instruction. 
But what it did mean is that because her instruction was coming from the most high, it was always sound instruction. It was what I needed. The Bible puts it this way. To preach the word, be instant, in season and out of season, to rebuke, to encourage, to do all those different things. That's what the word is designed to do. It's not always designed to make us feel good, but it's designed to make us better. So that in those times that we didn't understand, like the disciples, in those times they didn't understand. I'm sure they listened, because you all remember the, the, the community mom, I do. The community mom was that one mom that no matter whose child you were, when she was on the block, you, when she said something, you listened. Mary was a community mom. So in times where things didn't make sense to the disciples, I'm sure in their minds they probably heard the same four words. Do as he says. Because he's getting his marching orders from the creator of the universe. He's getting his marching orders from Almighty God. We today have to do the same thing. Lord, I don't understand. Why you got me going to this person? They don't like me. I don't understand. Why do I have to give my last $10 to this individual? Why do I don't understand? Why do I got to give this thing that you bought for me that I've been saving for and I've been working for? You're telling me to give it to somebody else? What am I supposed to do as he says? Why? First and foremost, because love isn't love until you give it away. Secondly, we do it because everything that we do is an opportunity to instruct, an opportunity to place on full display the God that we serve. How can people see God if everything that's presented to them is about us? So like Mary, we have to also perpetuate the divine directive to do as he says in every area of our lives by sharing this directive with everybody that we meet. Everything that we do should be about presenting those four words through getting them to say yes to Jesus. Because once a person says yes to Jesus, guess what? They're gonna do as he says. Because saying yes to Jesus is a choice. It's a choice that we all have to make. God, can he, <clears throat> can he force himself upon us? Absolutely. Will he force himself upon us? Absolutely not. Because in the garden, when we ate of the knowledge of the tree, the tree rather of the knowledge of good and evil, when we ate of that tree, we now have the capacity to make a choice. And while God could mandate us to do it, he wants us to do it of our own free will. Because when we do something of our own free will, our heart is into it. We're doing it because we want to do it, not because we have to do it. And when we're doing something because we want to do it, we'll have passion involved. And when passion is involved, passion generates and creates excitement. And when excitement is generated and created, that draws attention. And when attention is drawn, that gives you an audience. And when an audience is gathered, that gives you an opportunity to present what it is that you're passionate about. Which leads us to the last lesson of a mother's love. And that lesson is to be a source of inspiration. One thing that Ma always was and always will be is a source of inspiration for me. Because no matter what was going on in my life, I could talk to her about it. And whether we agreed or not, she always had a word that would inspire me to do. And I put it that way because the inspire me to do was a foundation. It could be more, it could be better, it could be worse, it could be less, it could be something, it could be nothing, but it always inspired me to act. 
Because in my mind, it made no sense for her to do all the interceding. In her mind, it made no sense for her to do all this intercession, and it made no sense for her to do all this instructing if she couldn't inspire me to actually act on what she was trying to teach me. And far too many of us that profess the name of Jesus Christ spend all kinds of time interceding and all kinds of time coming up with all kinds of vivid examples and all kinds of nice catchphrases and all kinds of, uh, of, of hermeneutically sound messages to preach, but the one thing that's missing is the call to action. We're not inspiring anybody to do nothing. It sounds good, but okay, what am I supposed to do with all this? In my job, one of the steps, the most important step in my job, because I do sales, in the process, we have a process that's acronym GREAT. And in the GREAT process and what we do, the step that most people miss is the A. And the A in our, in our GREAT process stands for ask. You gotta ask for the order. In other words, if I'm selling something, you gotta ask for the sale. And what I found, even in what I've been doing, is that the biggest mistake that most people make, they present a very sound case for why they should have the services that we offer. They make a fantastic, a phenomenal case but the people walk out of the store still not having what they made the case for, and they don't understand why. And I sit back and listen, and, and, and I hear them griping about it, and one day there were a couple of guys talking about it, and I went up to them and I said, well, at what point in time did you ask them? At what point in time did you ask them to sign up? At what point in time did you prompt them to act? And they both, they both stood there like, you know what, we did. And therein lies the challenge. We can be as informative, we can be as innovative, we can be as, as, as ready as we want to be. But if we're not inspiring someone to take action on what it is that we're presenting, all we're doing is making noise. First Corinthians puts it this way, if I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and I don't have love, I'm nothing more than a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal because love prompts you to act. If you look at what love is, everything love is, is action, is patient, is kind, is not envious, is not jealous, is not rude, it doesn't behave itself unseemly, it doesn't rejoice in the things that are, that are negative, but it rejoices in the things that are good. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things, it's action, it's living, it's breathing, it's doing something. So as Mary stood at the foot of the cross, her son caught sight of her. Seeing the one that was his earthly manifestation of nurturing, compassion, and sacrifice, he acted. He was inspired by seeing her in her hour of reflection, seeing the love in her eyes, seeing the intercession, remembering, remembering all the prayers that she prayed over him as a baby, remembering all the uh, instruction and life lessons she gave him. He remembered the chores he didn't want to do. He remembered the whoopings that he may have got. He remembered the times he might have felt that he was being unjustly treated and, and treated unfairly, not, but understanding at the same time because he was God that was being done for a greater purpose that she was so seized at that moment, now he was expired to act. So seeing the one that was his earthly manifestation of nurturing and compassion and sacrifice, he made sure that her season of labor would be rewarded with a season of rest from her labor. Jesus made provision for his mother and for his beloved disciple by giving them to one another to restore and revive one another so that their latter years would be greater than their former years. That's how God does things. 
He knows. The Bible says that he knows what we have need of before we even ask. Jesus knew what Mary needed. Jesus knew that Mary needed to be restored and recovered. Jesus knew that John needed to be fulfilled and given a sense of purpose. So knowing what his mom had sold into him and realizing what his mom had inspired him to do on the earthly side to coincide with what the father had given him to do on the spiritual side, he took action and he gave them to one another. But that joining was not simply just a natural act that took place at Calvary, that joining is an act that continues to take place every single day. God desires to bring his spirit to each and every one of us. He desires to meet each and every one of us where we are. He desires to present himself to us as the manifestation of God's love, the manifestation of God's grace, the manifestation of God's deliverance and salvation here in the earth. And he presents himself. He, he comes to the door and knocks. It says in Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock, but I need you to do something. If you open the door and let me in and I come, come in and sit down and have dinner with you and you have dinner with me, I promise you when you get up from the table, you won't be the same as you were when you sat down. But he needs us to do something. So like Mary, we have to also continue to be a source of inspiration to everybody that we meet, knowing that as we do his will, Christ will never leave nor forsake us. That's why he gave us a great commission. In my world, professionally, commission is what we, is what we strive for. In sales, the best thing that you can hit is commission. Because what commission represents, it represents pay directly linked to how much work you did. Preacher, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. If I sell one TV service to somebody, my commission on that might be $10. If I sell an internet service to somebody, my commission on that might be $8. But if I sell a TV and the internet together, my commission on that might be $25 because there's more value. If I sell a phone service, my commission on that might be $3. But if I sell a TV, internet, and phone service, my commission on those three things might be $75. If I sell a home security system to somebody, my commission on that might be $50 because those are a little tougher to sell. But if I sell all four of the services, TV, internet, phone, and home security, guess what? My commission could be as much as $200. What does that mean? That means the more involved that you get, and the more catch this, the more benefits that you present, when people take those benefits that you, take, that you present and they act upon them and make them their own, you get compensated more for the more that you present. With God, it works the same way. If we present salvation to somebody, he blesses us. If we, the more people we present salvation to, the greater the blessing. But the beautiful part about it is whether we say, whether we lead one soul to Christ or a thousand souls to Christ. We get paid the same level of commission. The primary commission that we get is the fulfillment of the Great Commission. The Great Commission tells us to go into all the world and make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and to, to teach them all the mandates and the teachings that I have. Here's the payoff. I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age. That means that in all the ways that you try to reach somebody, guess what? I'm with you. At all times that you try to reach somebody, guess what? I'm with you. 
No matter what it is that you're going through, no matter what it is that you face as far as rejection and persecution, guess what? I'm with you. Even if you find yourself in a position where it costs you your very life, guess what? I'm with you. I've been there. I've done that. I got the scars to prove it. And I'm on the other side telling you that you can do it too because I've made a way for you to get there. I've gone through what you've gone through. I've been where you are. I know the challenges that you face, but I also know one who's more than able, as the Bible declares, to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or even think. But it comes down to the power that's at work in you. Have you allowed me to take the throne in your heart? Have you allowed me to manifest my proper position as a result of all the intercession that's been done for you and as a result of all the instruction that's been given to you. I, Jesus says, started interceding for you the same day that man fell. The same day that man fell, I'm the one that said, make me a body, Father, I'll go. On the same day that man fell, I'm the one that set the, 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 the uh, project in motion that took 42 generations to ultimately manifest. I'm the one that came through the womb. I'm the one that was represented by the stars that converged in the sky. I'm the one that went through what, I, what, that, what he went through. I'm the one that was circumcised in the temple. And on the day that I was circumcised, the man who hadn't spoken for years spoke. I'm the one who caused and allowed uh, a prophetess to, to, to lie down and, and, and go from labor to reward fulfilled. I'm the one who questioned and baffled the ones in the temple uh, with the questions that I had. I'm the one that helped you understand and helped my mother understand just who I was when I told her I had to be about my father's business. I'm the one that turned water into wine. I'm the one that made the sick well. I'm the one that raised the dead. I'm the one that, that delivered those that were had, that had to mention all kinds of demon uh, manifestations. I'm the one that did all that stuff. So if I'm the one that did all that stuff, all I need you to do is one thing. Just let me in. Who in their right mind wouldn't let someone in that had that measure of power and influence, not only in this realm, but in the heavenly realm as well? The common sense answer would be nobody. But it takes us being willing to share what we've learned share what's been prayed into us to inspire others to do what we did so when I stood that day five years ago with this message before me I was moved beyond understanding as I am today in realizing then as I do now that the lessons that a mother's love teaches us are lessons that literally can change the world. So as I was at the cemetery this morning, and I took my, my roses to my mom. I put them there at, at her grave site. And I talked to her and I said, Ma, you know what? I really do miss you because you know, there's, so, there's so many questions I have for you. So many things I want to tell you. There's so much that I need to understand. There's so many things that I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm 50, but there's still so many things I don't know. But just like Ma being Ma, even in her, in her absence, here, she's still present. Because that peace of God that passes all understanding that the Word talks about, 
even at that moment this morning, as I was sharing with her all the things I wanted her to know, that peace came and let me know that she's all right. But more importantly, it let me know that I'm all right. Because she's done her season of work. This is her season of reward now. And her instruction and her intercession and her inspiration was designed to draw all three of us back to the source, which is God. She's resting now. And I'm at peace with that. But the labor for us that are still here goes on. So our job is to continue to perpetuate those lessons of a mother's love, using the word of God as our guide and using examples like our own mothers and like mothers of the Bible, like Mary, to share those lessons. As we continue to intercede for our brothers and sisters, as we continue to instruct our brothers and sisters with our living as well as our words, we can and must inspire our brothers and sisters that don't know Christ to say yes to Christ and those that do know Christ to continue to live for Christ because whether you believe it or not, he's coming back, church. Amen? Amen. We thank and praise God for his word and we thank and praise God for all that he's continuing to do in and through our lives.